My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me in episode two of the Adventure Games podcast. I hope everybody is well and it's all set for the new year ahead. So let's get on to the episode then. Before my interview this week, just want to talk about some adventure game news very briefly. And first, I wanted to mention the new Black Mirror episode, Bandersnatch, which was released on Netflix on December 28th. Now, I'm sure many of the listeners here have either seen it or know about it. But in case you haven't, it's basically an interactive episode, which is feature length, where you choose the actions for the main characters. So you have a choice of two actions to take and you decide one and then the story will go down that path depending on your choice it is as was mentioned in the episode it's a bit like choose your own adventure books which were popular in the 80s and 90s now the reason i'm mentioning this is because chuseko which is the owner of the choose your own adventure books and choose your own adventure title and they are suing netflix for 25 million dollars for using Choose Your Own Adventure in their Black Mirror episode. They say they did not take their permission, and at Chuseko, they own the phrase. So if you want to use a phrase in a movie or book, you need to pay, pay them for it. And they said that Netflix were in negotiations with them in 2016, but they do not have their permission to use that. So they are suing Netflix for $25 million. They also say that. 70th Century Fox holds an option to develop a film based on Choose Your Adventure books. So that's something to that's interesting, and we'll see how it develops. Now, more positive adventure game-related news. More awards. And the first award I wanted to talk about is the 2019 Independent Games Festival Awards. They've revealed their... They're finalists for this year. Now, this is a prestigious award for games as a whole, and several adventure games have been nominated. In fact, Return of the Obra Dinn, which I mentioned and I talked about several times already, is the most nominated title in several different categories. Another adventure game, Do Not Feed the Monkeys. Well, it's an adventure game. It's made by an adventure game studio. It's also been nominated for a few awards and Unavow has been nominated for Excellent in Narrative and it got an honourable mention in the main title award and a grand prize uh, which Return of the Opera Din and Do Not Feed the Monkeys are also nominated for that award so congratulations to them. Sticking to Unavowed that was also listed by AusGamers.com so AUSGamers.com as one of their top 10 best games of the year and Unavowed and Return of the Oprah Din are also the two are in the top 10 most highly rated and best reviewed PC games of the year. Another game that has been nominated for an award is Lamplight City. This game has been nominated for best PC console game of the year 2018 by the Brit Awards. So we'll find out 
the winners of that on February the 1st. So, of course, I spoke to Francisco Gonzalez, the developer of Lamplight City, in the previous episode, and I spoke in more detail about my own thoughts of the game. So if you haven't listened to that and want to find out more about it, feel free to listen to the first episode. And finally, in Adventure Game News, as I mentioned in previous episodes, the Dark Side Detective had been nominated for Best Indie Game of the Year and Best Game of the Year by CoachingForGeeks.com. I also mentioned that because of the competition in the categories, in particular the Best Game of the Year, that it would take a Christmas miracle for it to win. Well, it looks like sometimes miracles do happen because the Dark Side Detective has won both awards. It has won the Indie Game of the Year and the Best Game of the Year award for coachingforgeeks.com. So a huge congratulations to the developer Spooky Doorway, who worked really, really hard on this game, and it's well-deserved. And this takes me very nicely on to my interview this week. It is with none other than Spooky Doorway, who made Dark Side Detective. Just a couple of things before before I start the interview. I spoke with them shortly before Christmas, so this was before they were nominated, so that's why we don't talk about this award. Dave and Tressa McCabe were also making dinner at the time, because, you know, hashtag great timing, Shorsha. But they were really nice, and they answered all my questions, and they spoke in detail about about their game. And also their dog had a cameo appearance as well. And so I also spoke with Paul Conway, who's on Galway. So just with the guide Spooky Doorway, Paul Conway, and Dave and Trassa McCabe. Now, usually I play a clip of a trailer of the game, that we will talk about, but there is no voice acting in this game, so I'll just play a little bit of the music that can be heard in the trailer, which can also be heard in the game, to give an idea of what you can expect to hear, at least when you play the game. Uh, Please enjoy! So today I'm joined by three people, uh, by Paul Conway, Dave McCabe and Trassa McCabe, who are part of Spooky Doorway and they are the creators of Dark Side Detective. So hello guys, how are you today? Hi. Oh. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure to, to have you guys. Now, we're all... Irish, so we will try to to make ourselves understandable for the non-Irish crowd. Um, I'll try to avoid as much slang as possible. Um, so I was wondering if um, anyone, if you could introduce yourselves first and talk about your favourite uh, adventure games that you played me growing up or recently. Um, Paul, would you like to to start just to introduce yourself? And yeah. Uh, okay. I'm. Or anyone who doesn't know who you are. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm the artist on the Dark Side Detective. And so I've been making video games for quite a few years. Uh, I really like the adventure game genre, and the games which really stood out to me were games like The Dig and uh, Full Throttle and uh, Beneath Steel Sky, so kind of the more serious sci-fi ones. 
but also like I, you know, I like everyone else. I really enjoyed the kind of comedy ones uh, from Lucas Arts, uh, you know, the Monkey Island series and Zach McCracken and such. Very good choices. Uh, we can talk about them now in a second. And then we have Trassa and Dave McKay. But Trassa, do you want to introduce yourself very, very briefly again, like Paul, and say what your favorite adventure game is? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm Trassa. I do um, the techie stuff on the game. I guess like I, I've been working in games only since I joined this band of lunatics. And before that, I was working for banks and stuff like that. Boring stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like the, the guys... Grew up playing adventure games as well. I guess uh, really like um, the longest journey, you know, the Dreamfall series, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I also really like the Dig, um, like all the comedy ones as well. Um, I really liked a uh, series of, or not series of fortune events. <laughs> that's not the uh, <laughs> could be a game. <laughs> that's a book. <laughs> they could make it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, what were the ones the the Critter Chronicles and all those ones? The, oh, the the book of written. Oh, the book of written tales. I really like those as well. Oh yes, yes. I'm always going on about those, but um, but the the boys won't listen to me and won't play them. Uh, oh really? Oh, yeah. I really enjoy them. Yeah, they're great. Uh, they're really funny and like just really well made, really high production value. And I thought the voice acting was brilliant. Mm. So I thought it, just in general, really well, good execution nice. of a modern. Um, of a modern point and click. I just saw you play them all. I didn't really want to go back and replay <laughs> them after seeing you do it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They're, they're a bit long, all right. But Yeah, they're a bit long. Dave bought me the Critter Chronicles the morning of our uh, wedding, actually. I just oh. got an email um, in my Steam library just saying, wife! And it was... Uh... <laughs> That's how you do it, guys. <laughs> Get your wife an adventure game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I... smooth. <laughs> Okay, well, th- thank you very much. And then the voice we heard was Dave McCabe, right? Uh, yes, that is my voice. That That's great. Great to hear your voice. Uh, so, again, like the two others, uh, would you mind uh, introducing yourself and then saying what your favourite adventure game is? Uh, so, uh, my name is Dave. I co-design the cases with Trasa, and I write the words that people skip over. Um <laughs> Space Quest Five: The Final Mutation, uh, or maybe Spinal Mutation, I think, was is probably my favorite all-time adventure game. Uh, I have very fond memories of it. It's the second adventure game I ever played. Uh, Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards being the first. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the just. I enjoyed the humor and everything in it. I, I yeah. I mean, I, I liked I, I liked the old Discworld game. Yeah. I didn't play Discworld in a War or the second Discworld. I can't find them anywhere, unfortunately. I but I'd love to. I have a hard copy of Discworld in War. Do you? I wonder if it still run on something. Um, in terms of modern, what's the, the most recent modern day one that I that I played and enjoyed? Gosh. You liked um, the um, last day of June. That was nice. Yeah, last day of June was really it was really cute. Uh, I mean, it's really it's cute, but it's also it's quite like a sad, uh, punchy storyline. But yeah, I think that's probably the, the most recent one that I've that I I, I remember I playing. I guess like I've been playing all things that are sort of half adventure, like Flame in the Flood. Oh, that was fun. Uh, yeah, that was really good as well. Like Matrasa and I play a lot of these games kind of together, like uh, joypad sharing and all that kind of stuff. Or I just shout at the screen. <laughs> we take turns shouting at the screen. Uh, yeah, well, one of the past the hard bits. You know when you get frustrated in some of these things, you're like, oh, I uh-huh. can't. Get out. 
Yes, yes, no, that, that's a great way to play. You know, one person has a joypad, the other person shouts at the screen. Or, exactly, or it's what? old school. It's how you used to play things. I actually, there, there is a, there's a two-player um, point-and-click idea coming out or out. Which one is it? Um, played it? So, the, well, the, it's not, I don't know if it's entirely, it's sort of, it's sort of first-person, like, missed at the one we played. The one that, did, uh, the, that we played at Amaze. Yeah, the, that, I can't remember the name. There's another one as well, which was I mean, there should be more. Two-player two <laughs> sort of missed-style things. But there's also something called 29 Days to Mars, which is two-player, like, traditional walk-around and stuff. But I haven't played it, but we should try it. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I'm surprised yeah. there's not more of them, yeah. Yeah, I think there's a game called Brothers, I think, something that was released a few years ago, where I think you... Oh, yeah, we played some of that. Oh, I never played. Is that, is that good? Is that... I yeah, think Brothers wasn't, isn't two-player, though, right? Is it not? I thought it was. But... Oh, can you? Can you? Okay. Okay. No, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't played it, so you guys would know more than me. Because you no, I just it, don't so. remember, but your luck. Yeah, well, well, we played so many, so well, some great, great choices there anyway, and a wonderful gift uh, for your wife, uh, Paul. If I, or, sorry, not Paul, uh, Dave. I apologize, I'm going to get your names wrong. Trust, I hope I'll get your name right, but Dave and Paul, I do apologize in advance. And so, no worries. Uh, so if I say, Paul, you got a lovely gift for your wife, I do apologize. Maybe you did. Uh, but Dave, Paul might have had a lovely gift for his wife. I, I mean... They've been it's, married long enough. I hope he's at least succeeded to get her a nice gift once. But they're, they're never video games. I can I can barely get to play Dark Side Detective. Oh. <laughs> well, maybe we'll we'll see. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your answers. So um, we can go back to Paul then. So now you mentioned that you made other games. So we, we, before we start talking with Dark Side Detective, what other games did you work on very briefly? Have we may, maybe heard of any of those games? Um, I, I've worked on like of a. Like of a long career of working on like freelancing on on, on video games, uh, but most of them have been mobile games. Um, so as the I worked on um, the most relevant one I worked on was a game called Mystery Mania, which was like a an iPhone point and click adventure I made for EA, which kind of was won a lot of uh, sort of small awards when it kind of came out, but unfortunately it's no longer on the store. I've worked on uh, some of the bigger IPs I've worked on. I mean like The Sims for mobile. I, I worked on Mirror's Edge for a little while before that was canned. I've worked on Theme Park for iPad, and uh, I've worked on a Twilight game. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Really interesting. Um, well, <laughs> that's one word for. It. Um, I've you know I've you know I've worked on lots of brands like Scrabble and and stuff like that as well. I, and I think kind of the other like the, the game I worked on that kind of like that most people recognize me for before Dark Side was a uh, was a. A video game called uh, Leps World, which was um, a Super Mario clone on mobile, um, made by an, an Austrian company uh, called Nerbite. But like, yeah, they they wanted to make this Mario style game, and I had to come up with a character. And um, exhausted looking for ideas what the character should be, I kind of just eventually came up with a leprechaun character, and they loved it. <laughs> um, but the, their their uh, their naming convention was very straightforward, so they called him Lep, the Leprechaun. And yeah, that, that that game done really well for them. That like that was like, I think the the franchise has been downloaded like about 120, 130 million times. Like it's a big wow. Gift. Yeah, like no, a lot of free downloads, but a lot. I had kids like uh, asking me what I'd made, and they would tell them games I'd made. And when I eventually when I'd mentioned Lepsworld, World, they'd be amazed because they'd all played it. I've I've even had to sign a few uh, autographs for Lepsworld, World. Strange enough. Right, so, <laughs> which, which so, is so funny. You're famous then. <laughs> uh, well, no, I'm gonna say a few like you know two or three or something like that you know but yeah like so i've worked in quite a lot like i've a long i've a long credits list i i think the count is like about 115 120 games 
a majority of my mobile games, so like they're, they're very quick, short projects to kind of mm. to get in and get out of. Okay, well, I suppose it helped you gain experience, you know, to, to make uh, games. And what, did you always want to make uh, make games growing up, or was that later, you know, in life, and you decided to to start um, making games? I, I think as soon as I learned that you could be the artist in video games, I always wanted to make them. Um, growing up, I always wanted to be an artist, and I always loved playing video games. And then, you know, just one day, uh, play, I, was, I was playing Zelda on SNES, and I noticed, uh, or SNES for our American audience, I, I noticed it was just it was one of those games because the pace was kind of slow enough that I kind of started to you know to slow down and take in the, the world a bit more. And um, there's just one puzzle like where you have to knock this book down off a bookshelf. Uh, and I was ages trying to figure it out because, you know, I was, I was young playing. I wasn't that smart. But then I, I just kind of remember just one day looking really close at the screen and figure it out. And I just saw the pixels that made the book. And suddenly started, something went off in my brain. And I just suddenly realized that somebody had drawn the book. And from that moment forward, I wanted to make uh, video game art. The great story is that since then, you just want to, you just got into game development then. Or the artistic side anyway. Um, okay, so... Uh, don't stick with Paul because I believe that you're the original founder of Spooky Doorways. Is that correct, or one of them? Um, no, I, think or, we, I think at the stage, like we were all all of you. Well, we were all in the door so close together. You might as well say we're all founders. Like, I mean, I set up the company initially um, with Dave, and and Trasser came in the door. You know, only only a few weeks later, really. Like, so like, you might as well say we're all founders, really. Okay. For, yeah, we've yeah. we've we've an even and level. Um, uh, structure in the company <laughs> <laughs> so, so no boss really no <laughs> uh well i can't say that with trust on the call because she's the boss really. <laughs> that's a good choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay so which which came first then was it the game or the or the company so did you come up with a game the game for dark side detective or did you have the company already set up the the, the game made the company um so the, the game started out initially as a game jam game like we, we used to have a member on the team, Chris, who used to work with us. Um, I was working with him at the, at this game jam um, a few years ago, like 2014, I think, uh, in November 2014. And it was a really short game jam that we had organized for the local community. And uh, we kind of got bored while we were waiting around for people to finish their games because we'd done all the admin and order the pizzas and all that kind of stuff. So we decided just to order, or sorry, just to, to make a game ourselves. And we decided to, an adventure game was the way to go. So, very quickly, like over the space of a couple of hours, like we knocked together this, this terrible uh, setup of a detective and spooky stuff happening in the house, and the art kind of came around that really low resolution style with the kind of the, the high resolution colors on top of it. That that came about just because I didn't have a lot of time to make the art, um, because it was you know just a condensed sort of uh, you know, pressure cooker sort of environment. But then at the end of the day, like we had this sort of terrible little four screen demo. It didn't really make a lot of sense. A few jokes landed, but the majority of it was kind of just nonsensical. But we popped out the screenshots online and we put like the the loose demo online, and there was then like, a lot of people really liked what we were doing. It was just just sort of silly, forgettable thing we done in a day. But we were starting to get lots of likes online, lots of comments. People wanted to play more of it. Um, people really liked the short, little condensed game. As terrible as it was, there was something there. So we decided there was a bit of life in the game to to make a fuller, larger experience. And that's when um, Dave and Tressa came on to do uh, writing and proper coding, respectively. And where did you come up with the name uh, Spooky Doorway for the company, if you don't mind me asking? 
Dave was trying to um, in, a, in, a, in a pool in Thailand. Yeah, we were in a pool. <laughs> Dave was trying to quote um, Futurama. So you know, there's a part where they're taking the piss out of um, the Twilight Zone, and yeah. they're like, "Step inside the scary door," and he missed. He just misquoted it as spooky doorway, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we ended up a spooky doorway. <laughs> Okay, so then at that point, Trassa and Dave, you guys came on board. Yeah. How did you guys hear about, uh, were you guys friends with Paul before? We were uh, actually at the same together? game jam, but, um, so, but yes, we all, we were friends with uh, with Paul and uh, Chris at the time. We met Paul on, like, on an island off the west coast of Cork, or not off the west coast of Cork, off the west coast of Galway, called Inish Boffin. Um, we uh, all went there for like a game dev retreat, mm-hmm. and we kind of talked there about wanting to work together anyway, so I guess the seed was already sown. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I think you're probably the only developers who met on a game development retreat on an island off Ireland. But <laughs> <laughs> and actually ended up doing something. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and doing something you know, pr- pretty good then. So um, Yeah, it's pretty good. There was a thing being run called Inish Spree. It was supposed to be kind of a digital retreat where... Um, like you'd kind of leave your leave your laptops at home and all this kind of stuff, and you'd just go down and you'd play like um, non-digital games with people and do workshops and just generally play and just meet people and have a few pints and stuff like that. But it was quite nice. Um, I, I don't know if they're still running it. The last one was actually over in Portugal. We did one in Sintra, and it was really lovely. Mm. Oh, lovely. Mm. Um, so how do you guys work then? Because I know you're in Galway. Am I correct? Yes? That, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and then Trust and, and Dave, you Where guys. Are, yeah, okay. So now I know it's not a huge distance uh, compared to other places and countries, but maybe it might seem like good Irish roads. But um, yeah, well, <laughs> actually, for uh, the first two years when we were working on the game, me and Dave were on the other side of the world. Um, oh, okay. Where about the roads? Well, we started off in Indonesia, and then kind of moved around wherever we felt like, really, or whenever our visa ran out. Um, but um. <laughs> It was basically um, a lot cheaper to be out of Ireland um, and moving around like that. We got to see the world, which we wanted to do anyway. But also, you know, we didn't get paid all that much doing dark side, and we were just doing little bits of contracts and stuff like that. So it was a really good way of like keeping the cost down and being able to see the world. Um, but we work remotely still. We kind of realised from doing that that we could do it, given that we made a game. <laughs> and so, like, you know, we've continued doing that. We we got a really good. Um, pipeline and order i think really fast that was the first thing i guess we had to do was find a way where um we could all decouple our work from each other so that we could kind of get the design done and then let everybody work on their individual jobs at whatever time they were on so we weren't too reliant on each other so yeah putting in a pipeline for that first was probably the best thing plus we use an awful lot of online office tools like we use um like skype and slack and trello and google docs and and all that kind of bits and we um we're not afraid of jumping on a call any two seconds just to to get clarifications and stuff. And also just being very flexible, I think, is another thing. So it's, it's actually not just us. Like, I mean, we take on other people around um, as well for other stuff. Like, we have another guy here in Dundalk, but we don't have an office. Um, then there's, like, another guy doing QA over in the UK. And then we have some marketers as well uh, who are in the UK. And, like, we have our, our music guy is in um, the US as well. So, like, we really work very remotely like every now and again uh me paul and dave probably once a month um will probably meet up in galway or now this friday we're getting two awards so paul will be up to dublin and we'll probably chat about stuff then as well you know it's nice being close enough that we can meet up in person if we need to 
Yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely. And Metal you going? Is it an award for the game, Dark Side Detective, this Friday? Yeah, yeah, we're getting two of the Irish Game Dev Awards. Like, um, Emmert, have you heard of him, Emmert? Emmert, I don't think I have. So they're the Irish Game Dev um, like committee or organization, I guess. So they 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 do a lot of work with like the Irish Game Dev scene. Um, but we yeah we got Game of the War, uh, Game of the Year uh, this year, and we got Best Narrative. So congratulations! Pick those up on Friday. Argue about uh, what goes where. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, it'd be really nice because it's always really nice when the three of us get to hang out and, you know, have a pint and talk shite. <laughs> exactly. Well, congratulations. So it's best game, like, overall, like in any game? Yeah, yeah. We got um, we got game of the year. Wow, that, that's huge, actually. That's great. Well, in Irish terms, it's not that no. huge, I'm honest. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, still, it, it's an award. You know, I, I know we're Irish, so we're, we're always very modest. But <laughs> yeah. But yeah, shut up. I got it in pen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. And yeah. you guys have have a speech written? No, are we supposed to? <laughs> no, we could. Well, we have the gift of the gab, you know, in Ireland. So, yeah. and, Maybe you uh, do. <laughs> well, well done, anyway. And thanks very so, much. So, so, uh, so then, Trasta and Dave, uh, did you guys have any paranormal experiences when you were traveling the world, and did they inspire you for the game? Dark City Detectives, or was there any actually inspirations? You know, the question is kind of half serious. You know, were there any experience from your travels that inspired or that ended up being in the game? Or no, you can um, say no. <laughs> not really. I mean, it's a game set in 90s America. So traveling, uh, whatever, 2016 Indonesia and stuff doesn't really apply that much. <laughs> that said, like some of the people we met along the way and so on uh, might have inspired characters and that kind of thing. But yeah, it was largely a non-transferable experience. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's, it's more people that we know from home or um, like uh, experiences that we had kind of growing up. It's more kind of like a, a, a look back at our own nostalgia of the 80s and 90s and how we think we were, how we think they were and how we how we remember them as opposed to maybe how they were. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, you know, stare back nostalgia. And okay, so we'll go back to Paul then. So we can start talking about the actual game now. We're 20 minutes in. So did, did you come up with the game Dark Side Detective? And what were really the, your inspirations for the game, first of all? Were there many? <laughs> so like a lot of it's like, I, I wouldn't say I, I came up with the game, but like that kind of initial just format of a detective investigating spooky stuff in a comedy way is kind of, I suppose, my contribution to it. The influences on the day were trying to kind of find that humorous kind of version of Twin Peaks and the, and the X Files. Uh, so and you know, there's even like that original demo had like a few like kind of mall rats jokes and stuff like that. And it was kind of you know very sort of 90s spoof culture. But then it 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 very much evolved and became the animal it is now when everybody else came on board. So I I'd say at this stage the the game is more Dave's than anyone else's in terms of the characters. But I, I think we all had a big hand in, in shaping that kind of, like, what the tone of the world was and and how far we were willing to sort of, to make it sort of scary or spooky or, or how funny we wanted to make it. So I'd say, you know, I wouldn't say it was especially anybody's game, particularly. So it's a group, it's a group game then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. That's a diplomatic answer anyway. <laughs> Okay, I, I probably shouldn't go too too much into that. No, the world is very much Dave's. Ah, it isn't, isn't. I mean, we all we all contribute bits to it along the way, you know. Like Paul will draw a character, and that will inspire me. Myself and Traswell bounce off ideas for what should be happening here. What's a funny thing to do? I mean, I mean, I write the dialogue, but like 
we have all together shaped the world and created the characters and the storylines and stuff that are in it. And how has the game changed then since you guys, you know, came on board? So, uh, what what is the the story of the the game as it is now? So, do, you made season one, the Dark Side Detective season one. So, uh, what would you say would be the the story as it is now, or how do you describe the game? So. The reason we say season one, we, we think of it very much like a, a monster of the week kind of thing, like X-Files or something, right? Okay. So it's a series of standalone adventures. And inside of that, a bunch of different like windows into this world that cover all kinds of weird going ons in the town of Twin Lakes. And I, season one doesn't really have, because it's monster of the week kind of stuff, it doesn't really have like a, a, a main through line. The idea was, and it sort of came from the fact that we were all playing games, but we're now... We all have different priorities in life, you know, like we want to spend time with our families. We want to, uh, you know, just relax. We don't really have as much time for things. And we all found that we were playing a game and you kind of, you know, you get to play an hour or something. You come back a few weeks later and have no idea why you had all these things in your inventory, or what you were trying to do. <laughs> and uh, we just want to make a bunch of shorter, sort of more standalone um, pieces. So as I say, season one. Uh, season one at one stage we did plan on having a sort of a season arc yes, we thought it just didn't really fit very well what we were trying to do goal wise yeah and um, <laughs> so we ended up season one as i say it doesn't really have a, a, an arc season two we, we're doing slightly different things there but i really don't want to go into that territory because it's sort of spoiler epic the reason we have a uh, seasons is because we think of it more like a tv show um than like a film <laughs> you know so if you think about any given like tv show that you know like and think about the first series of that usually there isn't like a big like big story it's just a load of like as dave says monster to me it's just two friends trying to solve weird things going on in, in this town yeah okay so a different case should i say every week then if uh if like a tv series yeah, yeah so a really... lot of people told they play it like that yeah they play like an episode night because, you know, by the time they got their kid to bed or home from the gym or take the mm-hmm. dogs from a walk or whatever it is, they're able to sit down and inside of kind of, you know, an hour or so, depending on, on um, what episode it is and what uh, how good they are and so on, and how much they explore, they can solve an entire thing, get a conclusion, feel like they've achieved something, and come back to it next time they've got time. Or if they want to, they can sit there, they can go straight to another episode, you know, they, they can binge watch or, or mm-hmm. binge play, I guess, <laughs> if um, if their time allows, if they got like you know whatever works for them. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. And so then, when the episodes were released, were for season one, were all the episodes released at the same time, like Netflix, or were they released every so often, every couple of weeks, like say Telltale or, well, we or cable TV? Uh, we released a core game with like a kind of finale, and then um, it was six we always, episodes. We okay, always six, wanted yeah. we always wanted a Christmas special. So then, like, kind of a doctor, because we all grew up watching, like, Doctor Who and stuff like that, you know. Um, so at Christmas, then, we, we brought out our, our Christmas uh, episode, which was by Hard. Uh, it was in a <laughs> shopping centre uh, around Christmas. Um, and then we released, um, we did another update with another two episodes. So we had released, like, a kind of a smaller episode when we were um, announcing, um, I can't remember, I think when we were announcing the game. And people had, some the people had played it. it, yeah, exactly, and some people hadn't. So we packaged that in, and then we made another quite large uh, episode called Bates Motel, and we brought that out just before the Kickstarter. So yeah, like we we bought out a core game, but then we've added to it as well. So there's nine cases now. Okay, so nine, and they're all available. So if people were to buy the game Dark Detective, they would have all nine cases. Yeah. 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 Okay, sounds good. 
Um, sticking with the writing, we'll go back to the to the art uh, in a second for Paul. But uh, then they so I know you guys all work on it together. But in terms of when you're coming up with the story and the kit, you know, for a plot for each case. Um, now I'm just curious: Do you come up with the story and the characters first, or is there ever any time? Now this might be a terrible idea, which probably explains why I'm not a writer. But do you ever come up with a joke or hear a joke and then come up with a story from that? Or has that ever happened at all? So most of the cases are designed by myself and Trasim uh, mostly, but we tend to have like an idea for a location or something. So like, you know, we might go, oh, it would be really nice to do something in a, a shopping mall. And then we'll kind of compile a bunch of, of well, we figure out what the main obstacle is. And then we'll sort of work backwards from that or like what are the steps involved in sort of solving it. And like along the way, jokes will pop up or one of us will come up with a, a pun. Like Paul, halfway through the making of the, the, the Christmas episode, Paul came up with the idea of Buy Hard. Um, <laughs> it's obviously a, a diehard kind of, of riff. Most of the, the titles are sort of games or, or, or films that we've, excuse me, we've punned off. But I mean, we, we have, sometimes we have the idea of like, a, a pun title like Night of the Living Bread or something. Um, where we and, and we might make that at some stage where it'll be obviously to do with like you know the undead and, and bakeries. Writes uh, itself. Writes itself. Yeah. Um, but what we what we found is when you lead with a joke, you don't always have the substance to follow through on that, mm-hmm. and you can sort of find yourself a little bit hamstrung. Yeah, but- Trying to make that joke work rather than just trying to make a case that's that's just fun and has enough meat on it to hang the rest of the, the story and the jokes off. The 80s and 90s were cheesy enough that you can usually find something dorky to uh, fit into your design without having to design around a dorky joke. Yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely cases that came up with like an idea, and I, I guess I don't want to say much, like because you, you haven't played it, and your audience may not play, have played it yet. Mm-hmm. But there are some cases where it was like, oh, the bad guy should be this. This is a fun idea for a bad guy. And the finale very much came from that. The finale of the case six, which was sort of the, the original finale, and I made bonus cases after that, if that makes sense, uh, which came with our own finale. So it's very confusing. <laughs> it's sort of like a, 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 mid-season, a mid-season finale, like they have around Christmas time in America. But uh, it was based around a fun idea that we then built the case up around. But yeah, largely we try to just come up with, we think of things that define Americana for us and we just start building on top of that. Or often places that Paul just wants to draw. That helps me. That, that helps, like I, if I can um, say somewhere it's going to look visually interesting, that'll usually help me buy an idea when the guys are kind of pitching it to me. So like as, as David said, we kind of come put locations first most of the time and the stories come out there. So kind of I do kind of nudge for locations i want to draw like carnivals or uh you know subways or whatever okay yes yeah, so sometimes you lead the way you know draw the location and say okay we can set a story based on this yeah. location then yeah we have okay. like we have kind of a board of like play of like that we just stick up ideas of places or like seeds of ideas that we have interesting and we just kind of revisit it every now and again and maybe add a little bit more to it or kind of go well that might actually be able to be used in mm. another case like we have like some places where we've taken three, three or four different ideas that we thought might be cases and actually shoved them into the one case, you know, because yeah. they actually just, it works as a small bit rather than a whole case, you know? Yeah. Okay, yeah, and I'm just curious as well, so since you're constantly coming up with ideas, and say if you've, you're late in the development of the game and one of you guys has a really good idea, would you ever put it into an episode or to, or to a case, or would you leave it for maybe season two 
or something, how, how would you decide to go ahead with that? If, <laughs> it, depends, it depends entirely on the idea and how far mm-hmm. into the development we are. Yeah, because it, of the size of the things we do as well, like it's not as if we're pulling apart, like mm. even if we pull apart an entire episode, which we have done yeah. because we found it like we've brought it to playtest and we found that people were just lost or it just didn't work or it was falling flat. Like we have just fucking torn apart the entire thing and nearly started again. But um, yeah, so we're not like pulling apart, you know, 20 hours of gameplay. We're pulling apart an hour of gameplay. Yeah, it might be one case that we get mm. butchered that way. We definitely have done it. Uh, and also the times we go, no, we're drawing a line now. That's yeah. gonna, we put that in another case. Put that on the ideas board. Yeah. Also, I, I am very strict with uh, our deadlines as well. I am like content lock this day. Nothing else is going in. This <laughs> is the point at which we have to stop. It's the point at which I have to start coding. Like you know, uh-huh. I, I, I'm a terror for like if I, 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 I even today like I was rewriting jokes in season one. <laughs> uh, so so the season one has been released, right? <laughs> Two years ago or something. Uh, I know, I had to make a change because we're doing some stuff. But like, the point is, I I, I still sometimes be going back and making little minor tweaks when I thought of something else that fits in some of that already was. We're doing localization and we're doing um, stuff for a physical release at the moment. So we're kind of having to go read back on stuff. And now Dave is getting to open up the script again and look at it. And therefore, gonna get obsessed with everything that wasn't entirely correct the first time. Well, no, I just, I just have a trello board of, of things people have mentioned to me that I could do a clarification. Joy, I'm sure going back over it. Dave still to... sits and like, and um, he'll sit there laughing at his own jokes out loud. It's really cute, <laughs> very endearing. <laughs> well, after I, I played the uh, the first uh, episode with uh, in the Vetrex Con, and I had severe lack of sleep then. But even I was laughing at the. Uh, the jokes and, and the puns. So, Don't give so him I, a big head. And okay, then before we move on to, to Paul, then how, how would you describe the humor then if uh, someone had to ask you? Um, so, you know what? I the- try not to. <laughs> I feel like it's it's like the Higgs boson. When you shine a light on it, you change it, which was actually my biggest fear when we started doing like cases after the release and mm-hmm. people were telling us they like this and they like that. It made me think, oh, crap, I'm going to be, instead of just writing what I find funny, Sure. I'm gonna be like taking on board what people liked and didn't like, and so on. So um, stupid is probably the only way I can define it. <laughs> really, I, I, I try not to. I try not to think about why it works and why it doesn't work. I just try to keep doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it seems to be working uh, so far. So back to Paul then. Yeah. yeah so some people say, say oh. it's like hanging out with Dave. <laughs> but you could say witty, maybe. <laughs> No, she said, like, hanging out with me. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So you could say that I'm a very witty person. <laughs> and, oh. <laughs> I meant the game was like hanging out with Dave. Uh, so, Paul, if you're still there. Um, yeah. So now for the people who haven't seen the game or played the game or seen any of the trailers or anything, I was wondering if you could describe, you talked a little bit about it, but uh, could you talk to us about the art or the style of the game, so the graphics and what they're like? Um, super high definition. <laughs> uh, Absolutely, <laughs> the, the, the finest art ever put the video games. You, so, you're, so, you're, so, you're you're so really realistic, and Red Dead Redemption Two has nothing on it, right? Yeah, Red Dead Redemption is is uh, a catch up. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it's a very low resolution style. It's um, it's it's almost like it's an icon of a video game rather than a video game. So characters are. are are so tiny the way they're drawn that they don't have, they don't even have faces. There's no space to draw on a face. But we blow all that up really big on the screen. 
and it's it, we've we also added all these uh just lovely kind of um atmospheric kind of lighting on top of the, the classic pixel arts that's in there so it kind of gives it this uh, to my opinion at least anyway uh an interesting mix of uh old and new come together so a lot of people kind of think it looks very like classic adventure games but if you put them side by side it, it they don't exactly it's kind of more like how you remember the old adventure games to look rather than how they actually look if that makes sense yeah yeah uh, sure yeah how we remember them or how we uh, think we remember them yeah pretty much yeah and it's um it, you know it's it's a nice style to work with because it's 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 very quick to to do that it's it's very flexible i can try out ideas and um if they don't work we can get rid of them or, or change things very quickly and it's always fun for social media like when something happens in the press we can kind of very quickly mock up an image of the, of the characters sort of relating to that kind of current topic which is always a bit of fun and so then what why did you decide to do this was it always intentional that you would have it uh, this way you know that you mentioned low res or did you want to do it different if you could start over again would you do it differently or i you know, if I was starting again, I would probably do it differently, which would probably be a mistake. Um, it, sure, yeah. The the art style itself, kind of, as I said earlier on, kind of kind of happens because we made the original demo of the game in a game jam. Um, so I worked in this really low resolution style because uh, I'd been wanting to kind of experiment with low resolutions to see what I could do. But because it was in a game jam, I had so little time. I just had to kind of sort of try the idea out really quickly and then added some colors on top of it to kind of get this kind of mix to kind of make it look a bit more polished i suppose and what happened was it ended up achieving sort of a sense of charm or something like that that had mm-hmm. i have i spent hours on each scene um trying to overly detail them that sort of the charm would have been lost like there's almost like a brevity to the art like it's it's the visuals suggest what's there rather than really fully represent what's there I mean, it looks more like a, you know a tiny little icon um tiny little you know couple of pixels by a couple of pixels size icon okay and so then if you were given the chance to make a game back you know in 3d again versus how you make uh draw on this game which would you prefer in your experience or do you have any preference i i do and i don't have a preference for both of them like so like uh, at the moment we're, we're starting work on some 3d projects like i can't say too much about them and i'm trying to achieve a certain style to them and the difference between 2D and 3D is that if I want to achieve the style, I literally just draw it down in that style in whatever medium I'm, I'm using. Whereas a 3D, I tend to have to, it's a lot, it can get more technical. So there's a lot more stages to the process. So I've spent a lot of the day today just like looking up shaders for trying to achieve something today. Where So 2, 2D stuff is is quick, to, quicker to get to the character and to get to the, the, the core and the spirit of what you're trying to achieve. But with 3D, when you make something, it's a lot more flexible to get more use out of it later. So, you know, I, if I draw a house in 2D and I want to go around the back of the house, I have to draw the back of the house. But if I if I render the house in 3D, I can go to any side of the house or put it on the hill in the background or make 100 copies of the house and make a village. So, you know, there's just there's different, different things. Uh, there's different uh, pros and cons for both of them. I, I do like, though, at the moment, because we're playing with 3D, I do like when I jump back into Dark Side because I get to achieve something very quickly. So I'm not as challenged by it. Thanks for that. And, okay, leads me nicely on to the game engine. So, uh, Trasa, if you're there, you you did the, the, the software development side. Is that correct? She did once, actually. had to run after our dog. Oh, sorry, Great sorry. Yeah. Great timing <laughs> for me, as always. Oh, sorry. He's a bold dog. He's the worst. The worst dog. <laughs> sorry, love the question. 
Don't worry, I hope the dog is okay. <laughs> he's fine, he's just bald. He won't be like that, that's not. Yeah. All right, then. come here. Come here. Now tell them, tell them, tell them all how you terrible you are. Well, well we can ask the dog the question. Uh, what, what's it like living with Tras and Dave? <laughs> <laughs> he just says, <laughs> Rough. No, he's licking my so, face. I think it's all right. He's spoiled and rotten. So, uh, I, I yeah, think he gets it pretty good. They I got the run of the place. I, I think there was a joke there. I think it was a Dave's rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was Paul. That was Paul. Oh, Paul. Is that my mistake? I just said I, I really like puns. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it's much like working with them. <laughs> it's, yeah, so it's a, it's a joy, I'm sure, all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I just asked uh, Trasa, and um, since uh, you did the software development kind, is that correct? Or yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. So, so why don't you talk to us uh, about the engine? Now, I'm not a programmer, so, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just curious. Uh, you know, did you come up with the engine? Did you design it yourself, or did you use something else? <laughs> I did not come up with the engine, no. I okay, used sorry, possibly a stupid question. But. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I don't know, there are very few people who would build their own engine to make a computer mm -hmm. game these days. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we use Unity. Um, uh, Unity, it's, it's a 3D engine, which means it was completely overkill for what we were doing. However, um, like, well, it was overkill if we were just releasing on PC, but now that we're releasing on the, all these other platforms, these integrations for, like... Um, PlayStation, Xbox, um, Switch, mobile, all of these different things. You can do all the exports and stuff like that out of. And as well, like um, the writing tool that Dave uses, which is Artistry Draft, uh, can integrate seamlessly with um, with uh, Unity as well. The same with like, um, it handles all of the file formats and we can do like compression and stuff like that, like in, in engine, like basically we can do a lot of the things that we need to do, even though from the, from the outset, it looks like, what we're using is entirely over <laughs> over the top for <laughs> what we're doing. One of the things that like we did kind of come up against was because it was built as a um, something that was supposed to be made with much bigger scenes. We were originally making like using these kind of Unity scenes for each scene that we have, and we found that like we were getting massive overheads because it was trying to like load and unload all of these like kind of physics libraries and stuff like that that we just didn't need. So there was a little bit of like kind of hacking involved to try and make it work fast enough because like we had like literally the, the opposite problem to people who are making these huge 3D environments. Our environments were just too small. <laughs> like they were so little that it that became a problem in itself. They were like there were. The, the problem is that these kind of engines are used to solving is that you have like a huge, huge environment and you're trying to optimize that. Whereas we had like hundreds and hundreds of tiny, tiny environments, which nobody was trying to optimize because no one's making games like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, there were some interesting things around kind of um, trying to work with that. But um, but yeah, no, uh, I did not write my own engine. No, we just used um, C Sharp in Unity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Look, I think I saw so someone. I, th I think it's it Agustin Cortez for Asylum. I don't know if he's don't know if he created it or I don't know if it's, so it's people. But yeah, oh, no, that's people a do do it, but they're mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I yeah. think we're interested in actually doing like gameplay programming and stuff like that, and trying to like work out the the kinks of the stuff that's there. I'm not really like I mean like I, I am a programmer. And I'm interested in the tech stuff of it, but I mean like the more time that you put into um, building the tech for the thing that you're going to do, the less time you get to put into actually building it and designing stuff and like um, just making the game, you know, like 
Sure. Um, like, and, and also, you need, really need to ask yourself the question of like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> is there is there a tool here that will do the thing for me in like in half the time? And is there a really good reason why I'm not using it? And that's kind of the way I, I would tend to go. Like, I, I'm, you know, I make things for fun if you're just doing them for learning. But if it's just if it's for production, games take so fucking long to, to make anyway. You know, you don't want to be adding time for that. Just like, I mean, I've spent my whole, like I've been programming for 13 years. I don't need to go back and start from scratch just for the funsies of it. Sure, yeah, you don't want to spend extra time building yeah. an engine where you could be yeah. making the game. So exactly. I want to, I want to, I want to make games and I want to make people smile. Yeah, sure. Well, I think you're doing that. So <laughs> now I know you, you guys probably don't want to talk much about this, so you can answer however you want. Um, but Dark Side Detective 2 which you put on Kickstarter. First of all, without giving out of season one, is there anything you can say about the plot of the story or about the game season two? Or if not, we can move ahead. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, largely it's, it's, it's more of the same in some ways. There's going to be another bunch of fun cases uh, around the city of Twin Lakes. And we have one case where they travel outside of the city all the way to merry old Ireland. But uh, other than that, like, I mean... We're, yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, we're, we're doing some stuff differently with it, but again, it, it's not going to be so different. Like, it's still the same. It's still the same game. It's still the same world. You know, it's like you know, think of the Simpsons. Like Simpsons season three is ended. Simpsons season four is beginning. That's kind of it. We want to do a couple of small things slightly differently in it, but for the most part, players are just going to get a bunch more episodes, a bunch more stories to investigate. Yeah, like the the season one kind of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. So, like, a lot of the first half of it is kind of tying up that what happened, you know. And so there there are kind of bits throughout the case that will be kind of, like, wrapping up the bits that happened in the middle. And then also, you know, what happened? How did we wrap up that bit? <laughs> I'm trying to, like, say things yeah. without saying anything. It's really hard. It's difficult, For the most part, the game is, is successful. Or at least we think it's successful because it is that those short cases that people can pick up and play and... Um, we don't want to mess with that. Yeah. We, we sure, don't want yeah. the outsider welcome. Sorry? Oh, yes. We, Sorry, don't want the out, we don't want to outstay our welcome, pretty much, yeah. in each case. Sure, yeah. And how many episodes, if you can say, will be in season two? We'll or, start off with seven, I think we have to release, because um, so we were originally getting the base game of six, and um, we met one of our stretch goals, which was for the anthology case, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, Congratulations. Probably, yeah. So the the anthology case is kind of like there are some um, there are some characters that people particularly like. Um, so there's like Raxa and um, what's it, the Blood Wolves and the the Brightside Division. Yeah. So they all have their own little kind of spin off mini uh, mini episode. It'll be all in like kind of like you know the the Simpsons the Three, uh, House, Three of House of Horror kind of format. Sure. Okay. Uh, sounds good. And then. How far, uh, how far ahead did you plan, or did, did you plan the story from... So when you were making season one, did you leave some stuff aside for maybe season two? Or is this, did you come up with ideas when you were making season two? Bit of both. Yeah, well, so the, one of the first things I did when I kind of joined the thing, I wrote up the, the outline for three seasons. Now, they, that definitely changed and evolved as we went along, but we still, like, there is a plan in place... There are little kind of dangling threads we've left in season one that we'll tie off in season two and so on. 
as we all can say as we were as we were designing season one as well we all came up with silly ideas so like i said we have a big trello board of Mm. like just silly ideas people had or just like a a thread of of a a place or a thing that sparked interest and we just keep we keep a record of them and every now and again me paul and dave will jump in a call and we'll go through them the things that we like the things that we don't like so so whenever we're going to make a new um uh case we probably jump in there and pick something from it so we're kind of constantly adding to it and like whenever something happens or we're drunk and we see something silly or whatever we'll go or we hear a stupid joke or a stupid pun or whatever you know uh we'll we'll just keep adding to that board and then it's you know that whole you know the design drunk get it sober is that what they say (laughs) i'm not sure i've heard it but (laughs) not trying to say i just said it to you guys yeah (laughs) Well, as Hemingway said, right drunk, edits over. But if you've been around today, you don't mind seeing the dark side. It's yeah, kinda, of course. It's kind of guy he was, mad into that sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he was. <laughs> Maybe he's just the dark side in Pamplona somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, now before you decided on Kickstarter, um, were, were, did you have any interest from publishers or did you decide to go with Kickstarter because you, know, you want more um, control? Or? We talked about quite a few publishers. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Paul's the adult. He can he can talk here. Okay, yeah. So Paul. <laughs> no, we we talked to a lot of publishers when we were making the first game, and we had a couple of deals on the table like that. We were like literally only you know just just you know had we assigned you would have had a publishing deal, but we just kind of as a group kind of felt a lot of the deals just didn't suit what we wanted to do with the game. They didn't um they didn't you know they we were signing up to too much with some people or you know what they were promising wasn't really. It wasn't really adding to what we were doing with with the game. So in, in the end, we decided to self-publish, which was like to our benefit because you know all the profits essentially went to us from the game. And you know we had the space to do as much or as little as we wanted to with the first game. We we did work with a really good PR agent who helped really push our game. But like we decided to, for the first game, like it just made more sense for us at the time to self-publish. And season two Kickstarter that was. That came about from like we had budget from the first game still to put into the second game. We did have, we did put a lot of our budget back into the game in terms of making new content, working on ports, paying for localization stuff for like that. But moving ahead, where we didn't actually really fully know if people wanted a season two or not. We had a lot of people telling us that they liked the game, that they loved the game, they're the biggest fans of the game. But had we counted all them up, we probably wouldn't have had like that huge number of people. Like so, we didn't actually really know if we launched the season two put like a year or two work into making another game would people buy it so the kickstarter was kind of our, our litmus test to to see if people wanted it and also it was a way of securing uh, some more budget to make the game sure yeah okay well it seemed to work it was uh, successful so uh, congratulations on that how much of the game had been completed before you went to kickstarter uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> or should we move on 160 <laughs> percent of it <laughs> no, we had we had all the the high level kind of ideas put, put put in place, and um, we had all ideas down for like scenes and settings we wanted to use, and so like what what's in the trailer for the Kickstarter is representative of ideas we want to put into the game, but the way Darkside works is we're we as we're making it, it tends to evolve. So we will design something and stress it later on. If it gets tedious or we don't like an idea, we'll actually redesign sections of a case or a whole case. So as much work as we have done on it already, it's hard to say 100% how much of that will end up in the final game. Will like cause those ideas will evolve and probably become bigger and better. We had enough done to know that we had something that we were happy to deliver on, and then it would let we could let it grow from there. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, what did you actually play out of Ventrex? You played the demo of season two, right? Uh, well, that was at the Ventrex Con. It was the first case. Was it? Uh, were you at a carnival? No, it was in the house with yeah. the old oh, man you sitting played, down. Yeah, so you played the start of season one. Okay, sorry. Oh, that's the start of season one. As I said, I had a severe lack of sleep that day, so <laughs> I, I, you know, I could be playing. I remember I enjoyed it, but um, no, next year I'll be more, uh, <laughs> I'll be more ready, more prepared. I'll, you know, sleep better. <laughs> so we actually I'll, like so the, the first two cases of the um, of the season one are for free on Steam. There's a demo. Uh, okay. So if anybody actually does want to play it and just see if they like it, there is a quarter of the game or something uh, up for free uh, on Steam. So even yourself, if you wanted to try this the second case or retry the first one, yeah. you okay, can give well, it a go on Steam for free. Well, in my case, I actually got the game shortly after I came home from London. So I bought the game. Uh, it's, in my, it's in my Steam library. No. Um, along with the other thousand games. That, <laughs> yeah. But no, I do. I do intend on, on playing. Games are doomed industry, aren't they? Like, yeah, I know. All we do now is collect thousands and thousands of games and never play anything. Yeah. It's <laughs> like I'm, stamps or something or call cards. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get through them now. I and the other games, you know, I've got about another thousand games on my wish list. So. Yeah, that's. I do give myself like a, a week or so over the Christmas where I just get to play something. But you have to be really like selective as well. Really. Yes. I only have this amount of time. You know. I know I sort of why. Just buying new games. Yeah, like There's just too. so many of my of the various, you know, 100 games for a penny deals that I I, I now have yeah. to go back and actually play. Yeah. 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 It would be nice if the games industry took a year off just so I could catch up. Yes. Yeah, I would yes. love that. A year, they need to take like five years off to be able to, <laughs> to get me at this point. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, since you, since we started making games, but then there is this kind of thing where you feel like you just like can't turn up to GDC without having like uh, played at least this, this, and this. The last game I remember really, really enjoying was uh, uh, Edith Finch. I thought that was that was great. Yeah. yeah, I think I had either on my wish list or in, my, in the library. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's really good. Definitely worth worth a play. Um, but yeah, as I said, okay. it's, it's very hard to get me excited about anything these days because I go, well, a hundred and fucking sixty gay hours. I could put that into making our own game. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. It's for, for me as well. You know, to, it's uh, you know, to put in so much time in games. I know it's probably great, but it's like, oh, you know, so so much effort. Yeah. No, I love them when I'm playing them. It, I think it's yes. just getting me, getting me started at this point, which is, is mad, you know? Like, you used to spend all this time, like, wanting to, like, spend the time in the evenings and, like, wasting your time playing games and stuff like that. Now you're, like, trying to carve out 10 minutes. Yeah. I think that's why the Switch is great, actually. Because, you know, you can you can bring it on a commute or you can, like, play it on the toilet or whatever and then still <laughs> pop it in your telly and uh, and keep playing the game. I, I think the Switch has been revolutionary. They, they, as far as I'm aware, there's no like bundle sites for it yet, so you can't yeah. get too many games. You can't get overwhelmed by what you already have. Yeah, I've gone back to playing my uh, my DS Lite recently. Actually, I was playing um, Hotel Dusk and that again there. Oh uh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, I just I kind of just got the idea in my head to play it again there recently, and because it's handheld, I'm re- I'm really able to kind of just fit it into my life. As Tracy was saying, like on the couch while. I'm, my wife's watching television in bed or just you know when i'm bored on my computer like just taking a little break from it just open up but yeah it's uh i'm kind of enjoying the handheld experience a lot more i'm actually looking back to kind of see what similar games are on um ds so i, I never got the sequel to hotel dusk so i'm looking to pick up that soon just just because it's it's you know it just fits in my pocket as much like i was actually measuring it. it's the same size as my phone just a little thicker like so actually i was 
walking around with it, with it stuffed inside my jacket pocket and all that. So yeah, I love the DS as well. It's brilliant. Like, I'm fucking obsessed with Professor Layton. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, during lunch breaks recently, like I was playing games rather than looking at Facebook or, or stuff like that. Like, so it was, it was yeah. good. It was really rewarding. I, I have to invest more time back into my DS, uh, my 3DS. Yeah, I'd like to get a small yeah. handheld thing myself. I just, yeah. I can't really justify the money. There's only about two things in a Switch that really does, excite me. Does that my aren't DS on. not work? The, I don't know. It does, yeah. I have a DS upstairs. Do we have a charger for it? Yeah, we have loads of chargers. We just need Good to go through that massive go. box of wires, like as 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 everyone in the world has a giant, giant, endless box of wires. All the wires back to 1987. <laughs> just in case you might need them. So we have to exactly. go through that. <laughs> just in case somebody arrives in your house at a VCR or something like that. Yeah, just exactly. the cable I need. <laughs> does anyone have a scar lead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I know exactly what to mean. I used to play the Nintendo DS when I was in college now. I, I did play Professor Layton, but I used to play Phoenix Wright and the two Hotel Dust games. And you could shout objection, I think, into the Nintendo DS. Now, I would only do that at home when I was on my own. Because <laughs> it felt weird, but cool. But I didn't want to do it on a bus home or something or on a train home. <laughs> that, that could so have... much cool stuff with the DS now, though. Like, you can take, like, 3D scans and stuff. And, mm. yeah, it's, I know you can do that with phones, but... It was, yeah. it was actually interesting um, going back to, to uh, Hotel Dusk because seeing the, the developers, like, they, they were very good DS developers and they've done lots of things with the device itself, like, you know, making sure you... You held the device a certain way, and you, you don't think mm. the closing device, opening device, or are really using that kind of pen touch screen interface. Like it was, it, it's interesting design. Like it's like we do a lot of design at the moment, which is around trying to make it fit on multiple devices because we we know we have the ports. Yeah. Um, but like it was, it's kind of the way they they were kind of sort of able to do a mainstream product. They're able to do kind of interesting artistic design things just because they're able to focus on a single device. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what would stop us uh, porting to DS, even though I'd love to, and I think the game would work really, really well on DS. It's just like, it's not just a case of the, the technical overhead, it's it's a redesign of the entire game and how it would work. Otherwise, uh, you just feel clumsy and crap. Uh, I have ideas on how it might work on the DS, actually. I have to have a chat with you off, off this call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to chat with them now. still like tuck games, I guess PS Vita and everything does still, don't they? Mm. Yeah, the Vita, no, I don't think really sells all that well. Um, I just thought they were, like, dead. I was, like, designing a game for no, Game people, Boy. people love the DS. Uh, I know people love them, but I didn't think they still, like... I people didn't like, like all the Pokemon games and stuff like that are still really big on the DS. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent on a, on a better console that we don't have our game on. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. DS and don't buy our game. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think I should just ask him a question. I just nearly prefer to just listen to you guys talk so. <laughs> ramble 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 <laughs> yeah no no but it's it's more it's more interesting than anything i come up with so carry on but um not being so self-deprecating you irish i know i'm irish <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh don't you don't just yeah. anything that comes out of my mouth came from pennies yeah, you're doing great sure shit it's all right <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> thank yeah. you very much guys it, mean, it means so much uh for, for everybody um but yeah, I just wanted to ask from that conversation talking with the Switch, is the Dark City Tectors available on Switch? It is indeed. It's very nice. 
Yeah. Uh, is it available? You mentioned the, P- the I was going to say PS One. Nope, that's uh, going way back. Is it available on the PS One? No. <laughs> <laughs> PS Vita. Is that what you're going for? Or PS Vita or PS Four or Xbox? You mentioned um, as well. Or so we are going to launch on um, <clears throat> Xbox and uh, PlayStation next year, early next year. Uh, so it's in uh, it's in testing at the moment. So no, not Vita. Uh, well, maybe Vita. I don't know. We have we've. <laughs> I, I've done the work for Vita. If we ever decide we want to release on Vita, the actual port is done. <laughs> um, but uh, and we actually we have uh, we also have permission to release on Vita. But I don't know if we will. Uh, but we will release on Xbox and PlayStation. Okay, sounds good. As many as many places as possible. That's uh, yeah. That's good. And how how far is a and then back to season two of Dark Side Texas. How far ahead are you in development, uh, more or less? Or do you still have far to go, much to go? Oh, yeah. Like, we're probably about a year away. Okay, yeah. So it's, uh, last I checked, I believe it's quarter one, 2020. That is the provisional yeah. release date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'd yeah. love to be kind of bringing, like, a, a, an early alpha, I'd say, to Adventure X next year. But, you know, there'll still be a lot of work to do after that point. Uh, so then, so season one is available. Where can people buy uh, season one of Dark Side Detectives? You can pick it up on Steam. You can pick it up on GOG or on Humble uh, Store. You can pick it up on the Switch uh, eShop, Nintendo Switch eShop. Um, you can find links to all the PC and Mac stores on our website, darksidedetective.com. It's on Cartridge and Itch as well. Oh, yeah, Cartridge, uh, the Congregates thing as well, and Itch, yeah. What else have we got it on? Oh, that's else? everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so really a lot of places. I'll include the link in the show notes anyway. Uh, but the people can find out where they can buy it on the dark side. Is it darksidedetective.com? That's it. Darksidedetective.com. Okay, yeah. And now a few days uh, before recording, I um, decided to launch an Epic store had launched uh, you know, from the guys who made Fortnite. Have you guys heard about this or what are your thoughts on yeah, this? Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a really great deal. Yeah, like so, it's really on the side of the developer as opposed to mm-hmm. other platforms that we shall not mention. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very developer friendly, but it just really depends on if the audience arrives there or not. Like we'll, we'll port to it, we think. We don't think there's a huge amount of work of making it work on the store. There's no reason not to. But we do, the success of the store depends on if the audience picks up the store or not. It's, it's that legacy want, thing, yeah. really. Like it's that legacy thing. It's like once you've started collecting in one thing, like people who use Steam, for example, like all their games are on Steam. They're probably not actually going to move over to another store unless there's a really good reason to. So it's it's kind of that just there needs to be some massive kick up the hole to get people to move stores. And giving the developers more money is not what's going to do it. People don't give a shit. They want to buy your game for two cents. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I, I don't know. Like, it's hard. We'll do it. And I think it's great. And like, and I love seeing shit like that happening. But like, I just, I, I don't know how. Is it going to really Yeah, happen? I don't know how much it'll, it'll take off. Hopefully, like, all the developers will get behind it and people will just have to, because that would be brilliant. Like, you know, everybody supporting each other and, like, just standing together and kind of going, look, we don't want to take this shit anymore. But, like, it's just, I don't know whether that's the reality, because, like, the games market's flooded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, t- time will tell, I guess. Hopefully it'll work. You know, I think the more stores, you know, the more maybe competition. I don't know if that's the right word. 
So, uh, are you able to talk about any future plans? So, Dave, you mentioned that you you had three seasons written. So, if season two is a success, which you know I hope it will be, uh, do you guys plan on making season three? We'll see where we are at that stage. Like when I say that, there's I mean, what I mean is there's plans there. I mean, it's not like, like if we don't make a third season, people won't have a complete experience. They absolutely will. Every season is sort of self-contained. So we, we have ideas in, in, in line and things that will wrap up and all that kind of stuff. But it, it depends what the audience wants. It depends where we are at the end of it all. Like, yeah. you know, we have we have other projects that we're working on as well at the moment. Um, and like that's probably going to we'll be in development with them for the next few years as well. You know, so um, it's very hard to know. Are you able to say anything at all about the other games or at um, the moment? Oh, what can we say about <laughs> their digital? <laughs> their, well, they, should, they, they follow some of the logic, design logic we've taken from Dark Side Detective. Like, well, they're not not exactly point-and-click adventures. A lot of uh, how we format the world of, of Dark Side plays into it. So, it, it'll feel we we believe they'll feel like spooky doorway games. Yeah, um, but we're doing kind of something like a bit more runaroundy 3D-ish. So we're gonna try a different art style. Okay. So it's a VR game where you hug our dogs. Yeah, it's a VR game. <laughs> <laughs> Try to stop our cats from pulling down the. Christmas tree, which was what they're calling. That's hard mode. Yeah. yeah, that's hard mode. Uh, I, I, I would play that. <laughs> <laughs> because it is VR, but then you don't actually have the scratches from the cat. So. Yeah. <laughs> you play like Elmira from uh, Animania. No, when you buy it, we deliver a Christmas tree and two hungry cats to your house. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we... Babysit our cats for a week. It'll be grand. <laughs> sure, we'll, be, we'll be fine. And... Yeah, okay. And he said that season two is partly set in Ireland. Would you like to make any more games set in Ireland or set in your home or maybe Paul in Galway or Oh, so it's it's, it's the whole season is not set in, in um sure, it's, one case. it's just one case. Okay. So you know when you were playing there was like a um a cop with you? Yes. Like, a detective. The cop is um uh, Patrick Dooley, so he's from Ireland. Well, he's, mm-hmm. he's he's American Irish. American Irish, yeah. So it's him. We are going back to kind of uh, see his family home. So it's just one one episode is in Ireland. It's not the whole game. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, but, sure, yeah. yeah, we'd love to do we'd love to do some more stuff in Ireland. Like as the how like you know feasible that is like how do you yeah. around the world really want to play a game set in Ireland? Who knows? That said, <laughs> we are currently looking at stuff. Possibly, maybe, maybe. Yeah, one, one idea we had recently, we were looking at where to set it in the world because it could kind of fit anywhere in the world. And one, one conversation we had was, why not set it in Ireland? Because if it can work anywhere, we mm-hmm. might as well. There's not enough games set in Ireland, so let's try to represent exactly. Ireland properly. Yeah, exactly. Represent. Exactly, and, and yeah. Even less that are set in Ireland made by people in Ireland. Yeah. So they That's tend well, to have yes. that sort of diddly eye look of the, of the, the place. Yeah, yeah yes. there won't be a leprechaun anywhere. You can be assured of that. Or what about a Guinness hat or people eating uh, Lucky Charms? Or... Uh, Dave gets well, very offended whenever anybody wants to eat The whole thing can shit off. He's yeah, <laughs> very offended. <laughs> just, well, well, drinking Guinness. Yeah. There will be none of that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really true, Ireland. There will be a bit of Guinness. You know, that's, yeah. But you won't be chasing leprechauns under a, under a rainbow to try and get that. <laughs> Uh, gold. Water gold or any of that shit. But gold is gorgeous. Like, yes, gorgeous. yes, it is. 
And um, yeah, and the dog has its charm as well, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I mean, apologies to anybody from Dundalk. <laughs> a bunch of other. Yeah, to be fair, we've got like yeah, the home of a lot of Irish stories, and like the mythological cycle in Ireland is based around Dundalk as well. So, got lots of cool history here. Oh, I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, the bat, the 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 Catarina Cooley is Cooley Mountains up in, in Dundalk, outside yeah. Dundalk. Breeds from Fort, uh, yeah, yeah Cucullin, the home place, of, or the home of Cucullin. Yeah, like, Satanta the boy was born here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just down in Newgrange is the home of the Dagda, yeah. then later on Angus. So, you know, there's... Yeah, um, we've got Battle of the Boyne. We've got, like, the Boyne is generally going through, like... Yeah, mythologically yeah. speaking, there's yeah. a lot going on in Laos. Yeah. Well, so you could get a lot of tourists now. I will fight year. you! <laughs> How dare you look down on loud, which I've only been living in for half a half a year or something. Well, I'm from Wexford, so I can't really say anything. So. Yeah, it's gorgeous. My family's from down around Wexford. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I've, I've always wanted to, or a game made in my village, but nobody, because nobody cares, nobody would want a game, like, there's nothing in that village apart from the pubs. So. But that's interesting as well, you know? Like, I suppose, yeah. But there's no it mythological is. history in in Monagir, I don't. Last I heard. So, <laughs> so you, you can invent one then. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, I I was thinking, but I don't know. Maybe we'll talk with uh, with the writers with uh, with you guys for maybe in the future. But it's your inner uh, bard. Every story had to start somewhere. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, so where can people find you on social media? Uh, they can find us on Facebook uh, forward slash Dark Side Detective. Uh, you can also find Spooky Doorway on Facebook as well. Darks the Detective's Twitter is at DS underscore Detective or at Spooky Doorway. You get us in both of them. And we're also on Instagram if you just look up Spooky Doorway there or Dark Dice, the Dark Side Detective as well. I think if you go to darksidedetective.com, there's links to all of those or most of those. There and is. also the there is links to our own individual Twitters. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, can find us on, you can find us on our Discord as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Discord. If you actually want to chat to us, Discord is the best place. We tend to be on it most days. And sometimes we, we leak things in advance there. Yeah. Oh. And if you were, like, uh, one of the people who um, who supported us on Kickstarter and you're not in the Illuminati yet, you should get in there. Because if we are going to leak stuff, that's usually where we will leak it. Oh, definitely. So is it still possible to, to become a member of... Uh, the Illuminati. Illuminati. Yes. Oh, you should have been there for the Kickstarter. <laughs> I know I should have been. <laughs> I'm a bit late to the party. Yeah. Join, join the Discord anyway. Okay, yeah. And is it possible for anybody who might want to be yeah. interested? Yeah. yeah, anyone can join the Discord. Again, the link's on the, the website. And we usually pop on there once or twice a day and chat to people about classic adventure games, uh, stuff we like, answer any questions about the thing. Or just generally sh- shy Share on. pictures of, of, of our pets. Yeah, we have a uh, channel for our pets and everybody shares pictures of them and it makes me really happy every day. Yeah, Aww. like everyone, not just us. <laughs> not just us, yeah, everyone shares their pets. It's really nice. Oh, lovely. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, then before we finish, uh, any last thoughts or anything for, you know, fans of your games or any other developers or anybody at all? So, uh, Paul, do you want to say any last words? <laughs> I, I think that your audience should be like you and buy the game immediately. Oh, t- yeah. <laughs> And then hopefully play the game immediately as well. Um, well, they can play if they want, but, uh, but definitely buy <laughs> it. Buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just um, uh, tr- check out the demo and the trailers uh, for free. And if you like like it, buy it and support it. And um, or just thanks for even taking a look. 
Yeah, thank you. And Trata and Dave, any last thoughts? Yeah, thank, thanks everybody for listening to us shouting on and <laughs> to anyone from the games company or the games industry who's listening, please do take a year off so that we can catch up. That would be great. And happy Christmas and happy holidays and happy Yule and happy Hanukkah and all the other holidays. And, and happy January when this goes out live. Yeah, happy January. <laughs> that cold, dark January night. So. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect for playing the dark side detective. Okay, yeah, like, just, you can make it through. Hold on there, spring is coming. That, yes, it's just around the corner. And, and, and Dave, before we finish... Not nothing much, I guess. Like you know, if, if you want to support devs, a great way to do it is to leave positive reviews on the the store where you bought the thing. It really does help. And another thing on the the face of reviews, a lot of people say, "Oh man, Steam doesn't have a, a like a neutral review option," so I had to leave a good or a bad one. The neutral review option is just not leaving a review. Um, you don't. <laughs> you don't have That's a good to point. Just <laughs> the option is there, available to you. Um, <laughs> what he's saying is if you're between like yeah in the middle go with positive <laughs> I just, yeah. literally I just find it very confusing to say Steam doesn't have a neutral option and again Dave, it really does Dave, it's not voting Dave, Dave's like kind of current personal life goal is to get us to, um, five, uh, to we, we're at 459 positive votes we just need to get like we're so close I want to hit that three five hundred. We get a, a overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, he really wants to get us to overwhelmingly <clears> positive, <throat> and we need less than fifty um, more reviews to get there. So that that is his uh, two thousand and eighteen goal. Help him get there. But it's, it's not real. It's just it's more. I, I I've learned a lot about the review process over the last few years, and there's just things that have occurred to me as a result of that. What a cranky way to end the podcast. <laughs> you can edit me out if you like. Well, it's a very Irish way. <laughs> I don't think this is going in. Trust <laughs> you told me no happy endings. No. <laughs> okay, so you heard it, guys. Anybody listening? Just leave positive reviews on the Dark Side Detectors on Steam, and let's go to five hundred. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, I will speak to you later. Thank you very much for joining me. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. See ya. So that was my interview with Matt Spooky Doorway. A huge thank you to Paul Conway, to Dave McCabe and Tressa McCabe for giving me their time to speak to me and talk about their game and just speaking to me in general. Thank you very, very much. I really, really appreciate it. And I had a great time and I hope to meet them and speak with them again soon. And so if you haven't checked out the Dark Side Detective, I would strongly recommend you do. I since played the game over Christmas and I really enjoyed it. It was one of the funniest games that I have played in a long time. And I also really like the characters, the two main characters in the game in particular. And it's a game that really stayed with me. And yeah, so you can also try, as Tressa mentioned, you can try the first two cases of season one. And you can also check out the trailer for season two on their website. Now, you can also find out information about the season two on your Kickstarter page. Now, if you haven't played season one, be careful because there might be one or two spoilers for season one, so I just want to mention that. But I would definitely recommend that people check out the game Dark Side Detective season one. You can find out more information about it on darksidedetective.com. So, if you liked that episode, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and I am on iTunes, so you can rate and leave a review there if you so wish. That would really help me out. And you can also retweet, you can share, and you can help get the word out. So you can follow me on social media. So you can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. So if this is the first time you've heard of Spooky Door Warrior Dark Side Detective and you checked the game out, and you like it, then please let me know. You can drop me a line. You can also contact me. You can DM me, first of all, in a, on either Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also contact me, if you prefer, on adventuregamespodcast.com forward slash contact me. And you can let me know what you think of the game. And I can then let the developers know that these interviews work. It can help get the name out. Or if you have any feedback at all about the podcast, I would be delighted to hear from you. So all feedback is welcome. This is for you guys, and I want you guys to enjoy it. So please let me know if there's anything that you would like to hear, if there's like to hear more, would like to hear more or less adventure game news, more interviews, two interviews per episode, or whatever, you can let me know. Um, so that's, uh, that's it for this week. So join me again in two weeks on February the 1st, where my guest will be Dave Gilbert. Wow, don't want to miss that. So thank you for listening, everyone, and I'll talk to you again in two weeks' time. So have a good one, everybody. Thank you.